Thank you for joining us on the Southwest Florida Business Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and today we're joined by Bryce Lawrence from Vanguard Partners. And uh, it was an interesting conversation because we got to dig into the different aspects of running a business that a lot of people don't think about in terms of cash flow, how to make sure that you're putting aside the correct amount of money um, after you collect an invoice or a deposit versus after you finish and when you can pay yourself and how to accurately think about these things. So that way, when you're running your business, it's not just about, hey, let me use the money I made now to pay myself. And then you've got to work constantly to have future jobs pay for your current expenses. So we kind of talk about that loop that most people get into um, and some of the ways to address it. This is a quick one. We actually ran out of time. So we're going to do another one of these at some point here in the near future. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in learning more about this, especially if you're a, you know, a construction company or a service company based here in Southwest Florida, uh, reach out to Bryce. He knows quite a bit about this stuff and he's got a really um, easy to understand way of putting all this together. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Bryce from Vanguard Partners. This episode is brought to you by Southwest Florida Podcast. We help businesses make marketing videos. Now, a lot of businesses see the value in video content, but they don't know where to start. Filming, editing, posting on social media, these can take up a lot of time and they can be pretty frustrating. And that's where we come in. We work with businesses to highlight the value they bring to their customers and share that online. Now, we've created the Marketing Manager's Guide to Video Content that you can download for free by following the link below or scanning the QR code on your screen. Now, enjoy the show. Bryce, thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. You got a sweet studio, man. This place is awesome. Thanks. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I said this before to Angie and Dre, but I feel like this has been like almost a year in the making that we started talking about different stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I'm glad we can finally do this. No doubt. All right, so one of the things I want to jump into just right off the bat is I know that you work with construction companies, service-based businesses, everything like that. Yeah. Um, can we dive into knowing the numbers? Like this seems like something that mm. you're you're trying to yell from the rooftop. So yeah. what do you mean by knowing the numbers? Why is that important for business owners? Let's go from there. You can't do anything without knowing your numbers. You, you stay stuck where you're at if you don't understand your numbers, you know? Um, there's a million people have said this, but the language of business is accounting. And if you don't understand how to read a profit and loss, if you don't know how to read a balance sheet and, uh, and budget, then you don't know where you're going because you don't even know where you've been. Um, so it's really difficult to know if this is scalable. Is what I'm doing right now working and will it work in the next chapter of the business? Um, there's really, there's six areas of any company that I focus on, but the top three are vision, people and data and data has got to, it's got to be where we start. Um, we got to, we've got a vision and a plan for this thing long-term, you know, to pass it on, to sell it, to do something with it, to build something incredible. And it's the number one piece. We've got to start there. But the next thing is we've got to make sure that we're actually getting there. Right. Yeah. 
And so, um, yeah, and, and I can't stress this enough. And I know it sounds so cliche because everybody talks about this stuff, you know, that really understands business. Um, but it is not possible for a coach, a consultant, for a CPA or an accountant or, a you know, chief financial officer or your operations manager to actually help your business move forward if they don't understand where you're currently at and okay. where you've been. Yeah. Okay. So I guess where... Why do most people not know that? Because they started something because they were good at a skill set, right? Like most GCs, roofers, electrician, plumbing, AC, whatever it is, um, they were really good at that, right? Or they were an operations guy or a field manager at their previous job. And they're like, I can do this. Or maybe they sold for a little while for one of those companies. Like, why don't I go just do this myself? And that makes sense. And it, it really works in the beginning, you know? And if you want to be a one to three or one to five man crew, then sure, that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that, like at all. If that's what you want out of life, that's incredible, go do it. But if you really want to move and you've got a crazy vision for this thing, um, there's some skills that you've never understood before because you've never had to use them. And nobody, why would they have taught you, you know? Um, so unless you went to school for, you know, finance, then you wouldn't have that skill set or somebody taught, you know, taught you or passed it down to you, then why would you know? Yeah. Um, but I even have a problem with a lot of the guys that went to school for this stuff Why? Uh, because it's not practical. So there, yeah. so it, it's kind of like trying to bridge a gap between the people operating in the real world don't know how to get to the, yeah. the real data. And then the people operating in like the educational world don't exactly. know how this, like they have the head knowledge of yeah. like, you know, a profit and loss and a balance sheet and doing taxes. Like most financial degrees are all about understanding how to file your taxes and like your CPA and your accountant. Most people bring a third party accountant or CPA into the picture to help them run their business, but that's not what they do. You know, they come in and they're like, okay, let me clean your books up and file your taxes for you. And if you've got a really good CPA um, or, you know, tax professional, they're going to help you move money around so that you, you know, keep as much as you possibly can when it's time to pay uncle Sam. Sure. But that doesn't have anything to do with scaling your business and growing your business. And uh, I argue with accountants and CPAs every day of my life. Really? Yeah. Until they really get to know me and we get on the same page and they start trying to ask more questions. Um, but yeah, there's just a constant push because uh, the practicality of running the numbers and they feel like I'm stepping on their toes, of course, you know, um, what but, are those, what are the practical numbers that you're looking at and, yeah. and why are, why are these important to yeah. look at? So the number one thing to every growing business, any business like is cash, sure. right? You got to have cash in the bank or else you're going nowhere. And there's a safety net of cash that needs to be there. And people think like, oh, you're risk adverse when you're like, talk about the word safety and having enough cash on hand. And there's so many different opinions on leveraging, you know, debt and all this stuff. But there's still a certain dollar amount that you need to have on hand, depending on the size of your business and operation, right? Okay. Um, and it's a minimum of three months of operating expenses. So whatever that looks like, if you do not have three months of operating expenses, and so for example, if you're a contractor that does a million dollars a month, right? And say 30% of that is materials. Well, I don't include materials in my operating expenses because if I'm not selling work, then I don't have to buy materials, right? My operating cost is my overhead. It's my trucks, it's my gas, it's the rental for the office space, it's payroll. A lot of people don't include payroll into their operating expense. Really? Which is crazy to me. Okay. A lot of CPAs and accountants don't as well. If they're like asked what the operating overhead cost is, 
they don't put payroll in there because you can fire employees if you needed to. But I'm like, but it doesn't but really that destroys work. the business. Yeah. yeah, like if things are tough, I don't have to lay people off. You know, I want to retain good people. Um, so if we go through a, a couple of rocky months or something like like COVID happens or something crazy, we need we need financial you know uh, safety to make sure that we can get through those moments. Um, and it's at least three months, closer to six, depending on the business and the industry that you're in. Sure. You might need more or less cash, right? Um, so take that overhead expense, multiply it by three. That's what should be in your operating account. Um, and most, this is another big thing. Most businesses, especially contractors have one or two bank accounts and everything goes in there. You know, one of the biggest problems with contractors specifically is they have this notion that sales fixes all and to a degree they're right, but you run into a really big problem with that, especially when scaling. And this is where numbers are so important to understand having separate bank accounts for separate things and understanding where money needs to move from one account to the other, um, is wildly important. And like it, it amps me up to a degree yeah. because it's like stealing from Peter to pay Paul. A lot of the time is what these guys do. And they get in this situation where they take deposits on new, new jobs. A lot of them take up to 50% deposits. And I guarantee you about 90% of contractors run their business this way. They take a deposit on a new job. They put it in their operating account and start paying their employees out of it, paying their overhead costs. And when it comes time six months later to install that roof or install those exterior windows, because it's been on back order this whole time, there's no money for it. Right. So they've spent it all already. And they think that because the money's there, they have more money to play with. They can grow their company, go out and hire more employees to continue growing. But that's not their money. That's a client's money for the materials that they just, you know, the deposit that they just got on that 50% job. And so they don't reserve it. They don't know. And they're not calculating where everything should be. It's just in one account. Right. Yeah. And so it comes time and now they have to sell another job to pay for the materials for this job. And everybody does it and it's wild, but they get to a point where now they're racking up their, their, you know, terms with their vendors to go, Hey, give me 30 day terms. And now I've got, you know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars worth of credit or a credit line that's racked up. And now my credit line limit is there. So I really can't buy more. And my vendors aren't giving me any more materials because I got to pay them down, you know? Okay. Um, and there's so many contractors in that same boat. Um, unfortunately, come to me at the last minute. Yeah. When it's too late. And they realize it's a problem. Yeah. And there's dug a lot of people out of that hole, but you have to know your numbers and where you're at. And that's the other problem. Um, their numbers aren't even accurate. Like if you mm. pull a profit and loss, legitimately 99% of small businesses right this second, if I pulled a profit and loss or a balance sheet out of QuickBooks, whatever financial software they use, those numbers are not accurate. They're not yeah. up to date. The money's in the wrong accounts. You can't get a good picture of what's happening. Yeah. That makes sense because especially when you're running all these things and you don't know the back end, you don't yeah. necessarily know where all these things go. Yeah. And you look at a lot of these softwares and a lot of these systems that are supposed mm -hmm. to help you, but it is pretty daunting to look at them, not know where all this stuff is supposed to go and Absolutely. look at those expenses. And then, yeah, with that sales fixes all kind of mindset, it makes sense because you're, you kind of are like, all right, got the deposit, things are good, cool. Yeah. Can pay the house, can pay all this stuff. And then when that time comes, like, yeah, you're not even remotely in the same headspace. You've already moved on. You probably like emotionally checked out from that job and For now sure. it's time to do it. Absolutely. Okay. So do, do people, do you see this, is this something that ends up like burying companies? Is this yeah, like- it puts people out of business all yeah. the time. 
Yeah. And, and not only that, it's, it's the stress that's added to already running a business. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason that I have, I'm so passionate about this is because I grew up in an entrepreneurial home and I watched my parents struggle through business my entire life. My dad was a GC, uh, really early on owned multiple businesses outside of that. My mom was a florist, um, uh, done a lot of different things. Um, even down here in Naples, um, my dad owned a company called Cynthia's party world did rentals for big parties and stuff. Okay. Um, but I watched how stressful it was on my parents to run their business. And when one of them failed their factory, they, they, uh, the last one, my dad really got up and running is a manufactured, a biodegradable chum. And, uh, so you could reuse it like a bar of soap and stick it in the water and pull it back out. It was a really cool product. And uh, the factory burnt down. His partner stole everything, emptied the bank accounts. We never saw him again. And uh, even to this day, right? I I think I was 13, 14. It was in 07 at the same time, right? So went and had everything in the world. Overnight, parents lost everything. The big house moved into a little house. The cars got repossessed. And uh, my parents' marriage ultimately failed. Um, And so like that has gotten me so passionate. And it's, of course, a number of other things. Sure. But... It's the number one reason people get divorced is finances, right? Especially business owners. And that strain of running a business together, it, it getting on the same page with your spouse as to where we're heading and understanding our numbers, even on a personal level, is so important to any marriage, let alone when you're playing with millions of dollars, you know? Yeah. And maybe your business isn't that big, but it's still nonetheless, they're much bigger dollars than what's in your personal accounts. And if you don't know them, it adds a, another level of stress to your marriage, you know? Yeah. Well, so, that uncertainty, it always, if, if you don't know it, it always feels like the other shoe is going to drop at any point. And you yeah. really have no insight into when that's going to happen, how that's going to happen. It's, it's stressful. Yeah. I mean, like, so you've been, you've been in these different businesses, you've seen them, and then you've started your own businesses. You've worked for other companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, How did you kind of go this path and how did you kind of figure out these core pieces? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Everything that I do, it's, uh, I've learned it. I didn't make it up myself. Sure. Right. I don't, I don't like recreating the wheel at the end of the day. I think it's really silly thing to do. This is literally Literally the wheel that (laughs) you could find that exact information in 20 different, you know, business books at the end of the day to teach you to understand how to run a business effectively. Um, and so had some incredible mentors along the way. I was an operations manager for some local landscaping companies here in Naples, Florida, um, and helped them really grow. I was actually, uh, the operations manager for our church for a little while as well. Um, and just understand process people data, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so that developed into me really helping these landscaping companies grow and had a few other contractors and trades reaching out, trying to poach me from those companies and kept saying, no, I was enjoying helping and watching this (laughs) thing move forward, you know? Yeah. And, uh, um, finally said yes to one of them on a, you know, a consulting basis. And it turned out really well for the company and myself, obviously financially. Um, and so went down that route, another one heard about it. And so I said yes to another one and it kept happening and snowballing. And somehow I opened up a company about four years ago and now we're here today. Yeah, man. That's awesome. So how many, so how many 
companies, I guess, have you helped so far? And like, how many do you actively work with at a time? Yeah, great question. So over the past four years, I've touched about 50 different companies. Um, I've got a life cycle of right around 12 months. Um, and my relationship changes with them at that point because they shouldn't need me anymore. You know, not to that level, at least. Sure. Should have implemented those systems, trained their team, and they should be in a much better place. Um, and so uh, actively right around that 15 mark, I don't like going too far past that like full-on services and we've got some other options as well they're just financial they don't include you know us meeting with your teams and and really helping write your process and systems got so, it yeah man got it that's cool yeah. you enjoy it i love it man i'm super passionate about it and uh yeah i get bored really quick like really really fast so that's actually know? nice that you can yeah. like you don't have the the super mm. super long term yeah. So you can. So what's the process like to go through this? Because I know you literally have this process, and I'll give you a quick testimonial. So you showed me this one day. Yeah. When we were talking, I think that was like one of the first times we ever met. Really. We ended up just like talking. You were. Yeah. I told you what I did, and you showed me all the spreadsheets and operational flows and everything. Yeah. Just something about the way you were talking about this. I was like, all right, this guy knows his shit. But <laughs> like, you sent me this after uh, on like the process of what it's like. To work with you, intro meeting, focus day, vision building, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I basically like, stole this from you for uh, awesome. like a project I was doing and I yeah. I won the contract. And it Come was like, on now. Yeah, it was like a yeah. pretty pretty good sized deal. That's and I awesome, basically man. just like modeled it after this and they're like, Okay, that makes perfect sense. Like, yeah. Dude, I waited six months to put like a uh, freaking process onboarding map. That's awesome. I mean, I stole that same thing from somebody else. Good. So it works. Yeah, All right. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not recreate the wheel here, you know? So <laughs> it's good. That's awesome. Well, so, all right. So what is it, what is it like for people that work with you? And then mm -hmm. when they come to you and actually start working with you, like, where do you start to figure out where they need help? Like, yeah. why they would even work with you and how you can help them. Yeah, it's a great question. So intro day is just about us getting to know each other and it's if we're a good fit to work together. But the moment we say yes, the client's like, hey, this is this is what we need. Um, we have something called a focus day. It's a three to four hour meeting put on the calendar and we break down everything. I, it's really me learning your business. Okay. I need to get into the nuts and bolts of what's happening before I can do anything, right? Um, so day one, we, we actually break your structure down, the, the entire company. So we laid out into marketing, sales, operations, and finance, and maybe if you've got some other departments, um, and list out every task that would ever happen in any of those departments, and find out who's doing what, and put those people back into it. And a lot of the time, we even immediately on day one realize that there's a lot of overlap and inefficiencies in their structure and their team. Okay, um, And so we'll start moving that stuff around on day one. Next big thing is to identify the big issues in the company, like the big projects that if we get these five to 10 projects done in the nine, next 90 days, the company's going to be in a much different place than it is right now. So that might be implementing a new software, you know, writing new processes for the way we do business, yeah. hiring the next employee that's needed at the moment, implementing a budget and KPIs, whatever those things are. Um, we pull all the good, bad and ugly out of the, the leadership team's heads, yeah. throw it at the board and uh, argue through it, figure it all out and uh, really nail down and agree this is what the next 90 days looks like. Um, and then the next big thing is we go over our meeting agenda and we meet on a weekly basis, same agenda every single week, go over numbers, go over wins and losses from the past week, and then problem solve together, uh, all the okay. small issues. You feel like yeah. that like repetition and that expectation that you're going to go over the same thing, is that a big part of it so you can 
as a leadership team, kind of focus your efforts on what's going on? Yeah. And you have to. So we, we review the same numbers every week. Did we hit our goals last week? And I look at numbers on a, a weekly basis, not just a monthly. Okay. Because if we look at it for a monthly and most accountants send you, if you got a good one, they'll send you your numbers for last month on the 15th of this month. Right. So I can go review what happened last month, but it's too late. This last month, it's done and over. So we look at numbers every single week to make sure that we're on track to hit our goal for the month. Uh, so we look at those first, make sure we're on track with our KPIs, uh, key performance indicators, um, and then also uh, really dive into any issues that came up. So the small stuff, right? So it doesn't turn into big problems. We nip it in the butt immediately with employees, with customers, internal communication. Um, and then we review our quarterly uh, projects every single week to make sure they're on track. You okay. Know? So what, like when you break this out, right. And you like sh- go, okay, marketing, sales, operations, whatever, whatever the different departments are sure. for that particular business. Like what are some of the stand, what are some of like the things that pop up almost 90% of the time? Yeah. Like what's like the, the most common one that somebody could look for in their business, even before going through this process, just so they're aware yeah. this stuff can pop up. Yeah. Great question. Um, First of all, uh, we watch numbers for every department, right? So like there is a number that represents if that department is doing good so that we know if there's an issue with the sales numbers, well, there's an issue with the process of the sales department, right? If there's an issue in the operations meeting, we're not finishing work out fast enough or getting, you know, completed work done quick enough. We'll know because the numbers, we didn't finish out enough work last week. Um, so that, to start there is really big. But going back to your, your question, when it comes to structure in those different departments, one of the biggest pain points, especially for contractors, is the handoff between sales and operations. So okay. you sell the job and that handoff smoothly transitioning for the client and the company to make sure it happens on time. All the information is communicated is wildly important. And this is where it gets really messy and going back to the numbers. And I talk about it all the time. It's almost annoying how much I go back to this, but it's so, so important is that, okay, if you're a contractor and I got a $10,000 job and take a 50% deposit on it. So I got a $5,000 check from you to do, you know, some new flooring and redo your, your bathroom. Um, I take that $5,000 check and most of them just stick it in their bank account. Like we were talking about earlier. Well, what you need to be doing with that $5,000 is putting it in a deposits account in a separate account, not in your operating account. And then you also need to go into your financial software for that project, whether it's a CRM like Noify or Builder Trend or Service Titan or House Call Pro, whatever you're using, or even QuickBooks and create the bills for that job. that you are going to owe on the money that you've received. So if I owe out on this job, maybe I've got 30% in labor and 30% in materials, I need to go create my subcontractor bills that I'm going to pay my subcontractors for or my internal labor. I need to go create the bills for the materials that I'm going to purchase on that job so I know how much money is reserved for materials, how much money is reserved for labor and keep those in those accounts. So is that in that case if you got 30% for materials, 30% for labor and this is a $10,000 job is that of the total cost or total cost of the deposit? The deposit. Okay. Because I haven't collected the full amount yet. So sure. most of these softwares, you can create POs for the entire job, but I'm going to create bills on those purchase orders for just the amount that I've collected so far. So in this case, you get the 5,000 in, you got 30 and 30. So you create two bills for 1,500 bucks. So exactly. that way, you know, okay, essentially like I've got a $2,000 leeway here in terms of yeah. 
like real world cash and exactly. then like the future. other the other 5000 is yeah. either you know you'll have to cover some extra gaps there in that 2000 mm-hmm. but that's where you can like and bring there's that different to ways to do this depending okay. on the business of course sure. right but, but it's like a way that you can yeah. look at what's happening in reality now what you have versus what you can expect to I'll call it lose yeah. in the next or spend in the next X amount of time before you actually yeah. collect anything that you can really view as profit. Exactly. Okay. So now most people take that $5,000 and stick it in their operating account and start paying their bills or paying their debts down or using it for whatever, you know, reinvesting into the company, but that's not what it's for yet. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to reserve that money, put that money in those accounts. And now if I do that with every single dollar that I receive, whether it's a deposit or a draw or a final payment, and I create the bills that I owe on that money at that moment in time, when it goes into my bank account, I can pull an AP and an AR report that's accurate and up to date. AP meaning accounts payable. What do I owe out my bills, right? Mm -hmm. So right this second, how much does my company as a whole owe? You know, maybe the bill's not due yet, but owe off of the money that I've received, right? Okay. And the same thing with my AR. So my next payments, I'm going to put draft, you know, an invoice in my system. So I know that I've got upcoming money and here's the date that I should look at receiving it. Even though I don't know for sure, that's when I'm going to send the invoice to my client. I'm estimating that's when my next draw payment is due. So I can forecast how much money is going to be in my bank account in the next few months. So now I've got a really good idea of all my bills because the bills are dated. I've got a good idea of all my invoices because the invoices are dated. So I can forecast forecast into the future and see what my financial situation is going to be, not just yesterday, not even just today, but into the future, depending on how far out you book work, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So th- this is this, uh, let me see if I got this right. Cause this almost seems like the, the key to understanding mm-hmm. cash flow in reality. So you have the amount of money that comes in, that's the cash that you have now, mm-hmm. but that not that it doesn't mean anything, but it's not indicative of the reality of the long-term situation. So you have the cash that comes in, let's say it's 50%, it's 5,000. So you go in, you put all the expenses in that you know for sure are going to happen. Maybe you even put in some buffer, whatever it might be for the real use case, but you can put that into like uh, an accounts payable report. So you can see what's what you're definitely going to have mm-hmm. to spend so then you can put this extra 5,000 in the accounts receivable estimated. So now you can look at not only where you're at, but where you'll need to spend money mm-hmm. and then the anticipated money that will come in on top of that to offset it. So, so you can actually, you can get a gauge of like kind of the ongoing health of your business in terms yeah. of where cash is coming in, not just looking at a bank account number and thinking that that's and that's how everybody operates they just log into their bank account and say hey how much am i comfortable with today being in that account yeah you know now if your company just took on a ton of new growth and made some crazy sales well that number needs to increase Mm -hmm. you know 
Um, so yeah, with all the companies I work with in my personal companies, I've got separate bank accounts and I know exactly the dollar amount to the penny that's supposed to be in every one of those accounts at all, every moment. Yeah. Um, and it, it brings about a safety and a peace for not just me, but my wife, you know, mm -hmm. for the people that I work with, for my partners, for my employees, um, and everybody in our world, you know, um, and even the operating account that's it, when, when this stuff is, is where it's supposed to be, it gets fun. Right. Like that's when business gets like exciting yeah. because now there's something to play with. You know, if my operating account's supposed to have $300,000 and at the moment it goes over 300,000, I'm spending that money. You know, I'm either taking a distribution as an owner or I'm putting it and reinvesting it back into the company. And we have plans to do with that money as well. You know, okay. so we've already planned out strategically, like what is the next growth phase? Now, what are we going to do with that? You know, it crosses the $300,000 limit in this case and we're at three. Okay. Well, that $50,000, we can go hire the next employee that we need to hire, you know, that next big position that takes a ton off of my plate as an owner. And I can go and, and focus on the next problem. I can buy the next truck that I need, the next asset. We can go purchase a building or whatever it needs the company has. Sure. Or I can go enjoy it and take distributions confidently. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you're not playing that game. There's no like guilt game that goes on of, Hey, you know, well, I'm not sure, or, you know, I, I know that this kind of dipped into it, but maybe I can use this, but we'll figure yeah. it out with sales. And then, you know, actually if, and then you start making it like, uh, I almost call it like the spreadsheet projections for sales. It's like magic. Like mm -hmm. people look at it like, Oh, by the end of this year, we'll be here. And it's like, how, but why? Yeah. Like, like exactly. And then, and it's, it's funny now that I'm like stepping back from this as a business and going and looking for sales roles at these companies. And I talk to them about like, what are their goals? What are they trying to do? <laughs> There's like, you, you, sometimes you talk to them, it's like, we're going to hit this number by this time. It's like, yeah. Is it's like wish it, your, your strategy right now is a wish. You're dreaming. And we have, yeah. we have vision meetings every single year as well. And you need to, so that the leadership team's on the same page and they understand the decisions along the way. Like, why did we go open another location? This one isn't even where we want it to be yet, you know? Yeah. Um, so getting everybody on the same page with that stuff is super important. But if you sit down for a few minutes once a year with your leadership team, write a few things down and forget about it because you will if you don't go over that vision again and again and again and keep yeah. it in front of everybody, it's worthless. And again, it's dreaming when there's no like practical plan attached to that. I'm like, okay, we're gonna hit 10 million this year. Cool. Okay, but how? You know, like where's the plan attached to that? Are we tracking our KPIs weekly? Our weekly KPIs and the goal attached to them should represent a, a $10 million business, you know? And are we on track to do that? So, um, yeah, man, it's it's all just dreaming until, you know, you put feet to it. For sure. So yeah. so that's part of it. I know the vision is part of it, but is that when, so taking that and making that like practical real world. So you go to, you go to this, these businesses or they come to you, mm -hmm. part of it is talk through the vision of where you are versus where you want to be. You can dig into where you are now, but if you've got this vision, okay, like, is it like, let's back engineer where, what you need to do in order to yeah. get there, the resources, the sales, the reducing operational costs, like all that stuff to get there. Is that, yeah. is that where you start in terms of 
like bridging the gap between like the fantasy or the vision and like the reality? Yeah, it's it's budgeting at the end of the day. Okay. And so like, okay, we've got a plan and I'm a dreamer. I dream wild. I've got a few friends that I'm like comfortable dreaming around. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we wild like dream up crazy wild dreams, but like we have to be uh, people like be realistic. And I'm not one of those people that I'm like knocking your dream down in any way, shape or form, but throw a hundred million dollars out as a goal, you know, in 12 months and you're doing two right now, like it's kind of stupid, you know? Um, so let's be somewhat realistic. I'm going to shoot for the stars and hopefully we, we reach the moon at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, when, when the goal is, is written down and the leadership looks at it and says, yeah, that's where we're heading. And we all agree together. Like that's a really cool moment, but now the work goes to, goes in. Right. And so we take that dream, we break it down into weekly KPIs. We take that dream, we break it down into a monthly budget and we watch it and whatever numbers you pay attention to, they increase. That's just the way it goes. Okay. So like if you constantly and consistently and everything that we do and preach and teach is simple. Like I am not some genius. I didn't make any of this up. <laughs> like I'm not the smartest guy in the room. It's hardly. Um, I've just really worked this craft and realized that whatever you focus on, it grows. Like that's how things work. And so it's the consistent repetition of we are going to meet every single week, the same day, same time. We're going to look at the same exact numbers and we're going to figure out why they're not where they're supposed to be. And if they're not, we're going to fix it together and we're going to move forward. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's really it in, in a, as a whole picture, but the other side of this is the people part. Yeah. Right. How so? It, it's all still a dream without the right people. Yeah. If you people, know? if you don't, okay. Can you yeah. elaborate on that? What do you mean? Yeah. Data is my skill set and it's one skill set, but I realized really quickly I was never going to be able to actually influence or impact businesses without like relational intelligence and sure. getting the right people around you is wildly important. And I'm almost just as proud of that when it comes to business and like the right settings. I'm very different in certain settings. Um, but I have to, I have to get everybody on the same page. And that is like the most difficult part of my job and all the people on my team. Like you got a husband and wife, they're never on the same financial page personally, let alone a business, right? Yep. Um, and most, and I keep saying that because I'm married and watch my family go through it. And there's so many businesses that I work with there. It's, it's a spouse, you know, it's, it's a married couple that are running it together to some level, you know? Sure. Um, but even if it's not that, even partners, you know, even your leadership and your management team, if they don't know your numbers and they're not involved in the vision, your lead executive team, your managers, whoever they are, even if it's just a, a five to 10 person team, you got one of those guys that's really close with you running the business. They need to be dreaming with you. It, they need to take it on themselves and they need to see the future of the company and their position in it um, and how they're going to help accomplish that vision, you know? And so, but they need to know the so you're they saying they need to know the numbers too. I am wildly transparent with everybody on my team. So my own personal business, I own three different companies right now and every single one of them, I'm wildly transparent with the numbers and people as business owners are scared. They're terrified to share it. One, because they don't even know them. Right? Sure. And they don't track them and they don't understand them. And so they can't communicate them to their teams. Um, but I stretch like that belief in the businesses that I work with every day. I'm like, your guys need to know where you're at right now. They're like, they're going to see these big numbers and think I'm killing it. And like, they might. Yeah. You know, 
and that's a risk. But at the same time, like they can't help you fulfill the dream that you have if they don't understand what's going on. Well, um, and if they see these big numbers, but they they understand where it's going, why it's going, exactly. out, all of those things, yeah. it's less of like sticker shock when they do find that stuff out. They're gonna see your numbers sooner or later. Yeah. They know your price tags. Yeah. You know, whether you want them to or not, you're not going to hide that stuff from everybody. Well, it's scary. It's scary too, as like a business owner to go out and say like, I don't know this stuff. That was, that was something like, again, as I'm like scaling yeah. this back and, and reorganizing what this thing is, it's interesting that for a long time, I was super hesitant to tell anybody like, Hey, like I, I'm. I'm struggling with this or like, I'm not sure where yeah. this is going or how to do this. And I did that for over a year. And then once I finally was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, dude. Like, and I went and asked people for help and told them like, here's what's going on. Here's the problem I'm trying to solve. It's amazing how many people will actually just help yeah. you and steer you in the right direction. People want to help, man. Yeah. You know what's funny as is, is, well is if you're not learning, you're you're typically you're not moving forward. Like it's not like you get stagnant. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a hunger to grow, you're you're probably uh, I'll tell you what your numbers are the same as they've been for the past few years. Yeah, like nine times out of ten. Um, and so I'm always trying. Like I know quite a bit about when it comes to this stuff, but there's so much, so much they don't have a clue about. You know. And I've got people around me and I'm very transparent with them too. Like if I don't understand the language, if I don't understand what's going on in the room, I'm going to ask. I'm not afraid to ask that question. You have to, Yeah. you know, now I was going to stay where you're at. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, that's maybe the scariest thing. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it is. It is. It's definitely terrifying. And again, I see it in teams all the time. You got the office manager who's been comfortable sitting in the corner for years and the, the company and the owners are like, it's time to grow. And she's like, I don't, I don't want to grow or, you know, that's an attitude thing, but maybe you've got people in the room that they, they feel threatened in some way, shape or form. And they don't want to expose themselves of not knowing what they're supposed to know or what they think they're supposed to know. So they don't ask the questions or this is, or whatever you're trying to do is yeah. a threat to me because it replaces me. Like I had that in software all the yeah. time. It's like, no, the goal isn't to replace your job. It's just instead of spending six hours doing maintenance tracking paperwork mm -hmm. on your plane, that can be 15 minutes. So you can go do other stuff. All those things that you say you want to do, yeah. you can go do those. But then it also comes down to is like, you know, a lot of times people will use that as a way to not evolve. Like, I, absolutely, it's, it's interesting. Like thinking back and being I'm, honest with myself of for sure. Hey, like actually, maybe the goal was to not have this work in some way, or mm -hmm. I didn't feel comfortable having. It. So you actually you kind of move towards yeah. your actual goal, even though you don't want to admit that. It's yeah. a it's a sh shitty thing to have that realization, but yeah kind of need to have that wake up call for sure does that make sense it does and that's where the like relational intelligence comes in like you have to know the people that you're talking to in the entire room like a lot of the time i'll walk into a company and i've only met the owner and now i'm sitting with six people on a leadership team that have never met me before i'm some young kid you know i'm not that young anymore um but you know relatively to most leadership teams and uh they look at me like what the heck are you going to do? Yeah. You know, like, what are you going to teach me arms crossed? And 
now I've got to break those walls down and build a relationship with everybody in the room in a matter of a few minutes. Uh, that's that's a, a fun thing to do. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's a game for me at this yeah. point, but it has to be done because uh-huh. there's there's a huge defense up most of the time. You well, know? those are, uh, it's funny in like the sales methodology, I look at, they yeah. call them landmines. So it's like uncovering resources that the company has, like whether those are, political and understanding that financial yeah. energy to do it but by like building those relationships and knowing where people stand you kind of uncover those landmines before they blow up in your face because you don't want to be three months into a process and realizing two-thirds of the people on that team are not in agreement with what's going without on. without a doubt okay so that's where the vision comes in right at the beginning yeah we got to get on the same page okay and if you're not, you know it, if you got the wrong people in the room. And honestly, like that's another side of the people side uh, thing. It, it's right people and right seat. So what I mean by that is, do you have the right people for the company? And okay. that's characteristics, that's core values. Like who makes good people to work with our leadership team and our owners? What do we absolutely like hate? We can't stand, you know, drives you up the wall. Um, and then as a vision piece, like if they are not, if they can't picture themselves the, in the vision that the owner has, it is wildly obvious in every meeting. In so many ways, they're just, you know, disgruntled. There's always a problem. There's always a disagreement. Um, you have to get rid of those people. Yeah. There, there's two things that you can do in any company if you want to grow it. And the only thing to, to do with a company, to grow a company is having the right people. So you can either hire more if you have the financial resource or you have to replace. Okay. If your company's not working right now, there's definitely structure things. There's financial things that need to take place. But if it's not growing, it's been stagnant for any period of time, you do not have the right people. Interesting. That's gotta be a tough or you have a completely bad business model, but that's a whole separate so- topic. Yeah, I've done you that know. before, so. <laughs> For sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, so what's that conversation like with like with owners and, and, and teams and when you uncover that? Yeah, very straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not afraid to lose my job at the end of the day because I'm here to help. I'm yeah. here to help your, your business grow. My name's attached to it. Um, and so we have hard conversations. I've had business owners that are handing their business to their kids and had to sit down and tell them to get the heck out of the way, you know, and they've run it their entire lives. They're the one that built it and like, it's time to step aside, you know? Um, and that's, those are hard conversations, but I think everybody knows like almost every time I've had that conversation, like this key player that's generating most of your revenue is destroying your company and stopping you from moving forward and you need to fire him. Um, that's not fun. It's not fun to hear, but almost nine times out of 10, the owner's like, yeah, I know. It's not, it's not usually a surprise. It's never a surprise. Okay. It's an attitude. It's, you know, they're not team players. It, usually the person that needs to go is their their top producer. Really? Yeah, because they think that they've got the, the companies in the, the palm of their hand and they can do whatever they want, you know? Um, it, attitude is wildly more important than results. I mean, it's where I start first. You build a, a good team that likes working together, they're going to get results. Yeah. yeah. You know? Damn. Dude, what time is it? It's... I don't know. We've been going, huh? Yeah. Dude. Uh, all right. We got to end this now because I'm going to ask you a question for three hours. So let's do this yeah. again. Let's do this again pretty soon if you're I'm cool down. with that. Yeah, man. Let's do it. But before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to touch on? 
right now and then also after that we'll kind of go over like where people can find you and connect with you yeah man um hmm anything else i want to touch on now um thank you for having me on man it's Hell been yeah. fun for sure dude this is really cool like and yeah these are kind of it's, it's interesting going back and looking at some of this stuff as as you showed it to me i guess probably seven eight months ago at this point hard yeah. to believe that but damn um but going through this and kind of when i was running it initially i was more in that zone of uh like single owner operator all yeah. this stuff is new to me still trying to wrap my head around the numbers how these things work for sure money in money out stress that comes with that the not knowing the uncertainty of like you know the money's there but i guess it's kind of not yeah. and i was smart enough to know like maybe i shouldn't spend that because i sure. feel like it's not my money yet yeah. but not really understanding that so this got my my wheels turning and then as i realized the current structure of the business that i was running wasn't really sustainable and as i'm like stepping back um and figuring out what that is yeah. like these are some of the core pieces that i'm like implementing as i go to figure out what this yeah. next stage is so We'll definitely keep talking and, and yeah. figure this out. But uh, if I could give one thing yeah. to single owner operators, like this is the one thing that I found out and I wish I'd done a lot sooner, even still, and I'm still doing this more today, is niche out harder and more like niche out what you do and charge more. Okay. Double your price half the time, like legitimately niche out and find out who your client is. Um, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, that's okay. It's interesting you're saying that because that's been, that's uh, all right. Yeah, you're number three. All right, that's Sweet. a sign. <laughs> that's a sign I've been looking for, man. So, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Sweet, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. This episode is brought to you by Southwest Florida Podcast. We help businesses make marketing videos. Now, a lot of businesses see the value in video content, but they don't know where to start. Filming, editing, posting on social media, these can take up a lot of time and they can be pretty frustrating. And that's where we come in. We work with businesses to highlight the value they bring to their customers and share that online. Now we've created the Marketing Manager's Guide to Video Content that you can download for free by following the link below or scanning the QR code on your screen. 